Welcome to Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm Jamar. And I'm AK Kamar, your other co-host. You didn't know how to uh you didn't know who you were, you didn't you were a little discombobulated well, over there. The, the yeah, the volume was down in my headphones, so I'm oh. like, uh, can anybody hear me? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Is this thing on? Yeah, you're there. How you been, man? I'm ready for my close up, Mr. Jamil. <laughs> I, you love when I say that. <laughs> How's your week been, bro? You know what? You know what? Um God is good, you know. Um I won't do too much complaining because we only got an hour and then when the show just started, so we won't. Uh, I won't complain about my damn woes and and what's what's worrying me. I'm alive and I'm I'm here. Thank you. Thank the audience and uh, we got the greatest producer in the in in the world. How was Valentine's Day, bro? I well, you know it. I, I don't know. It was Valentine's. You just Day. chilled. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't do shit. Well, not to uh, toot my own horn, but I'm oh, I see what horn. you were doing. You thought you were a Billy Ocean <laughs> see, or somebody. You see uh, what I did? Who do you think you were? Uh, uh, Robin Leach? All oh, the, the the caviar dreams and the champagne you had. <laughs> so I, man, I, I mess with pots and pans. I can I can chef it up, and um, I I was at Lunds and Byerly's. Yeah, and I saw that they had some some lobster, and I was like, they had good deals on it. And I've made lobster in the past, and my wife loves like mac and cheese. Like every good Minnesota girl, she loves, you know, macaroni uh, and cheese. So I got uh, macaroni and cheese, uh, got lobster, had some steak, right? And yeah, man, made some. I mean, your meal looked good. Made it good, man. Your meal looked good, and your wife was blessed, and you're a lucky guy. You know? on, on the first Valentine's Day after we got married. So we got married, and it was like the first Valentine's Day, and I was like, what should I, what should I get? And I got this. I got uh, wait, oh, no, you're a tattoo. Side. You're a gangster. Side, side. You're a gangster. Yeah. I got my wife's name, Bethany, Bethany, on the side of my neck. That was my first Valentine's Day present to my wife. You tried to kill yourself, huh? <laughs> you didn't wait until ten years in. No, I yeah. You, first, your, you want to kill yourself? The first, you kill yourself. First, the first year, year okay. man. First year. I ain't mad at you. You know, I I I have one tattoo. Um, um, and it's a state of Texas, and it's got Dallas inside of it. And it's got you would, well, of course, that would be the tattoo uh, that you cowboys. Have. It's got cowboys in the middle, and <laughs> then you know. But I almost passed out, and I learned that tattoos from the uh, navel above you're prone to pass out more, whether you're drinking or smoking. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Honestly, yeah, okay. yeah. Tattoos down, you're less likely. But I've only had above. I've only had in my arms and my neck, man. That's it. Yeah, you get you, you're liable to get lightheaded. So they suggest that after the, the session is done, for you to sit and not move for 15 minutes. Get a like juice, get, get some crackers, yeah, or something. You know, yeah, Gatorade. Because <laughs> when I stood up, I was like, <laughs> and so I want I was I was going to put my ex wife's name on me. Yeah. But again, I got two chicken, and because those damn damn things hurt, I'm sitting there like, he's like, you hurt him, like, no, uh-uh. <laughs> dude, it hurt it, and then I got, the, I had the nurse, so he just the the one tattoo guy just did the the Texas, right? Yeah, it wasn't colored in. So one day I was waiting for my wife, and I went into the tattoo shop on Lake Street, and chose to do my tattoos. Like, dude, that's ugly. I'm like. Dang, what? just like that, huh? Yeah, he's like, so let me color it in. He's like, you should came here and let us did. I'm like, you could have drawn the state of Texas no better than this guy did. I mean, I copied it for the guy. I mean, it came out of the map book. What do you mean? You could have did it no better. Like, we could have did such and such for So anyway, long story short, he colored it for me. Yeah. Oh, dude, now that hurt. hurt. Well, you've got color, so I got you know. Some shade, you know yeah. But you've got bigger arms. Yeah, you know, no, you got, I, I got a lot of meat on these bones, bro. Yeah, indeed you do. Uh-huh. And uh, no, I, you know, so no. I, I Yeah, <laughs> no. Needless to say that that's the last tattoo that I had. I, I think this summer I'm going to get one on my leg, though. Okay. Of my kid's name. 
Okay. I'm gonna be cool, Dad. You're gonna put like all your kids' names? I'm gonna put all my. It's gonna kids be names. running all up and down. I your know. Life, I have like. I mean, I don't think I have any room. <laughs> my mother-in-law, she didn't get her first tattoo. She was, she was like, I want to say like 55 or something. I don't blame her. Right, and then now she has like she has like roses for each of her kids. Yeah. But nothing for her grandkids. So well, that like, shit hurts. There's like thirteen or twelve of them. Uh, maybe twelve or thirteen. My, my wife's siblings got a lot of kids. Oh, oh <laughs> there's man. a lot of them, man. There's a lot of them running around out there. Okay. You know what, man? Um, I I've been like looking back through Facebook. I think we came up on like a year anniversary of me it's being on the show as like an official co-host. Yeah. So it's crazy though how a whole year. Went by, man, and and I'm so I'm so grateful for all the support we've had from all the listeners, and I just want to plug right now that if you haven't had a chance, please head to our link tree. It's kind of the one stop shop to get connected to us on all of our socials. Those of you that have figured out TikTok and are on TikTok, you might have been seeing a few videos that Jamar and I have been putting out there. Just We're getting a members. lot of interaction. I you know not to toot our own horn, but toot our own horn toot, again. Toot. Uh, we've had over 330,000 views on our content just in the last seven days. So that's kind of where we're at. But it also on the link tree is going to connect you to our Patreon. Our Patreon's big because if you support this show and you're like, I, I want to see more of this, you know, we do once a week podcasts. But if we had the the funding, a.k.a. we had contributors, we would do more shows. We might do longer shows. And so if you like the content we put on, you're like, I would like to see more content from these guys, please visit on the link tree, our Patreon link, and consider becoming a contributor to the show. 100% of what we raise goes to the actual production of the show. And so that's just something that you guys can do. Also, you can get connected with our Instagram you can also get connected um, with my Twitter account. Jamar doesn't have a Twitter. Maybe one day he'll make a Twitter so you can interact I, with us that way. Dude, I've had I have a Twitter. Are you kidding? <laughs> yes, I do. It's um, Don't ask me right now. But uh, See, that's how much this guy tweets. No, I, I'm actually on my Twitter every day. I just can never remember any names. I'm just glad Facebook doesn't have... Listen, I, I'm on Twitter. Look me up, okay? It's the picture of me and my ex-wife that I haven't changed. But just make sure that you guys hit our link tree. It also connects you with how you can listen to us via podcast, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everything, the whole nine yards. So please visit that. Support what it is that we do if you like what it is that we do. Absolutely. And, and you know what? Actually, I was sitting here looking, too, speaking of, you know, we got to do... I love when the audience gets interactive and starts interacting with us. And so there was a question already asking about, um, he said, ask the, the Democrat why the left is afraid of the parents' right bill. Along, this is from Chris Road. Craig Road. I'm sorry, Craig, thank you. That's why I wear glasses. Uh, and he also said, talk about the influx of Asian hate crimes and why nobody is doing anything about it. Well, let me just say this in a small synopsis because we've got a great show today. Um, the Asian hate, I think, is overblown, mm. to be quite honest with you. Um, I'm just going to say it. Uh, we've, I mean, it, again, I, I, we don't see it happening on a daily, weekly basis. Um, some folks got pissed off um, and cruelly tried and started attacking some folks of Asian descent. Um Black folks have been enduring that for years, did endure it for years. Um, so I, I think that any type of crime against a person for their race is sadistic and deserves the death penalty. Whoa. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I think that um, um, 
if it when it becomes a bigger and broader problem, then we should address it. But I think right now it isn't, and I, I think some folks are probably rolling their eyes at me and are saying that it is. He's, Craig is probably yelling that, saying it is a big problem. Well, I mean, you know, I'm on the east side of St. Paul a lot, where there's a heavy uh, population of Asian folks and Hmong Americans, Vietnamese. That's not, you know, something that they talk about. They're talking about regular things that folks are talking about, like at the kitchen table. You know, the economy. You know, how you're going to get them a job or what you're going to do for them, things like that. So Asian hate. Eh, you know. No, here, here's the thing that I've always considered. Eh. Now, when I do look at the statistics, right, um, violent crime on an individual basis has been increasing in recent years. But over, if you want to say looking over the last 30 years, violent crime is down. And, and that's because of, in my opinion, a lot of the different crime bills that were passed um, to be able to kind of stem some of these issues. But here's here's been my my problem. You know, we, we talk about hate crimes. Like, I, I think that they are political tools. And the reason I think they're political tools is that most of the time crime is motivated by factors and if if someone wants and hate to sometimes it's one of them sure but i'm saying that if you want to commit harm onto somebody else whether or not the reason you're doing it is because they're black or because they're fat or because they're just the unlucky person that's in front of you or because it's someone that you know you felt did you wrong to me crime is crime and so i've always thought it was interesting and 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 i don't understand other than for political points why you would categorize that certain crime is is more malicious like oh, because i, I, I is, can though. understand it if, is if, if, if crime if is based can, off if, of like like vulnerable people right like if, if that you, is that if should be treated differently if you're a, a, a yes okay because so I then think, how do I we differentiate a, between someone that's a vulnerable adult and then someone that's gay or someone sure, that's black someone that's asian because it's a depraved mentality it doesn't matter it, you being that black, person being has decided gay, to right? Doesn't mean you can't protect yourself in the same regard. Being a child or being you oh, know, but being a vulnerable adult, we don't know what. I mean, it's just. Well, a, it's, I'm saying that there actually is a physical deficiency. They cannot defend themselves in some, the same way. Some. So that's that to me makes sense. But again, 55 year old person is a vulnerable adult considered by the state. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, and again, right? If 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 someone is vulnerable, that's different than someone has. But this I'm vulnerable trait. if I'm uh, uh, if I'm 105 pounds, black and homosexual. Yeah, but your but your blackness I'm... or or your sexuality has nothing to do with how vulnerable you are. Wait, your wait. mental capacity. But that has individual, your the individual, the assailant is attacking me or trying to kill me or walks into a church and shoots our brains out because we're black. I understand that, but I'm saying that the motivation. So there should be. You should. Be, I'm glad that there are federal charges that are always. Uh, attached to most of these crimes, like the cat, the cats, and the Aubrey. Um, um, what's his last name? Uh, the Michaels. Um, Ahmad Arbery. Excuse yeah. me. I'm glad that they, <laughs> i.e. George uh, Floyd too. Thank God for some federal uh, uh, charges because when you violate my civil rights to be black. Yeah, but civil rights has nothing to do with does. what your it's, color is, though. What? You can violate someone's civil rights if you're a white person. You can violate another white person's civil rights. But, it's not. It's not dependent on color. But so, if it's a hate crime, a white person can't commit a hate crime against another. white And when I say white person, let's clarify: a white Norwegian can't commit crime against another white Norwegian. It wouldn't be considered a hate crime. No, it can be a civil rights violation. And it is. 
it, it can be depending on the situation. And that's 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 my piece. We could go on for days, we but uh, yeah, I man. Know, right? Thank you, thank you for the comments. Keep them coming. We're gonna read them as they kind of pop up. We're gonna try and do that versus just save yeah, them. Yeah, we'll all put for them the up end. on the on the. We'll put them up on the screen and then uh, keep y'all interactive. First of all, I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt. I hope that everyone that's watching has hit that share button, not yeah. only the like, hit but the, the share, share and the button. like, so okay. people have a chance to join in on this conversation. Because tonight's show, we have with all this going on in the city uh, and the state, um, tonight's guest is perfect to talk about a lot of the things that's going on, right? Um, uh, we we talk about how crime is 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 rising in in our city, Minneapolis alone, right? Mm-hmm. Minneapolis alone is now officially over two hundred murders between last year and this year, over two hundred murders. That's effing ridiculous, right? We've had seven already, ridiculous. Um, and I think again, the city is so damn reactive, right? They're not proactive, and. Sometimes, quite often, um, I think it's easier for the, the the governor, no matter what party. Well, of course, Republicans pretend like they don't. But the governor or a mayor of certain parties scapegoat certain police departments, right? Mm-hmm. I, I do believe there is corruption in Minneapolis Police Department and in certain police departments across this state. But I think sometimes they're scapegoated by elected officials because they don't lead. They take such... A offensive approach to crime because I I I, I didn't see this coming or, or, or what do you think we should do? Well, bastard, I've been telling you for so long that crime is on the rise, gun crime is on the rise. Here, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be bold and, and say this, and I'm gonna piss some folks off. Juvenile crime is at now it's probably as highest it's ever been in this city, probably this state, right? When you talk about carjackings, uh, uh, gun crimes committed by juveniles. We got to quit slapping them on the wrist because they haven't they have a certain shade of skin. Mm. We got to quit doing that. Right. You commit a crime. You commit adult crime. You should be charged as adult and go do adult time. I don't give a damn what color you are. We have to stop coddling kids that commit adult crime and slap them on the wrist and put them back on the street so they can reoffend. Uh I think the recidivism, uh, I, I love trying to say this word, the recid- recidivism, thank you, rate <laughs> is incredibly higher now too than it's ever been. So I can't wait to sit down with honest people that want to come up with real solutions to fix it. And tonight's guest, um, I think, um, isn't here to defend either one of those, but I think helps with the dialogue that we need to have. And so when you come on this show, when you work into the, walk into the danger zone, <laughs> you know, we love you. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, I, honestly, I think for real, it, it, it's nuts. And so, um, I, yeah, I mean, listen, let's just cut right to it. Tonight's guest is from the Minneapolis, Minnesota, excuse me, Police and Peace Officers Association. We want to welcome to the show. Brian, Brian Peters. Peters. Brian, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Uh, uh, glad to be here. Uh, it was a great show. Uh, we'll see you next time after that dialogue. <laughs> I'm out of here. No. <laughs> thank you for having me. Oh, we got a funny guy here. <laughs> I love that. Wait a minute. I work alone, okay? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I work alone. You know, one of the things um, that I was excited, well, we, we have uh, a lot of people that have been on the show and found out through a few different connections that you're someone that, one, was interested in the show itself. But myself, I 
I always wanted to have uh, this type of dialogue talking about a lot of these issues that have to do with law enforcement. And, and I think that there is a side to this conversation that doesn't get had very often because law enforcement in general, when they are speaking to the public, are in the capacity as a public official. Um, they're, they're not elected most of the time, unless you're talking about a sheriff, right? Um, they are appointed and they have very specific duties. And so I want to be able to have some of these conversations about some of these topics that have been uh, very, very prescient in, in the news. And yeah, but I want you to kind of explain, one, what is the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association? And two, a little bit about who you are. Yeah, thanks, AK. Um, I'm the executive director of the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association. We're a private association representing roughly over 10,000 law enforcement across the state. You know, anywhere from troopers, deputies, city cops. We have some correctional officers, 911 dispatchers. And then we have about uh, 2,000 retired members. And uh, we serve kind of two purposes. One is we do all the legislative advocacy here at the state level as well as the federal level. So we have a lobbyist out in Washington that helps us work with our uh, Minnesota representatives uh, on bills. Um, and we have a lobbyist here in Minnesota. And uh, obviously it's been a, a very busy uh, 22 months when it comes to legislation. Yeah, um, and then our other function is we uh, serve as, uh, we have our legal defense fund. Um, and uh, what that means is if you're a police officer and you're involved in a critical incident where you could potentially be charged criminally for an offense, we have 13 of the top defense attorneys here in the state that will represent you. So it could be anything from, let's say, a, a police chase that ends with um, injury or death. Mm. You know, your actions are going to be reviewed and potential charges could come. So uh, our attorneys step in uh, and represent you uh, right away. And then obviously uh, another example is an officer-involved shooting. Um, so Those don't happen often no, at all. No, at no, no. <laughs> but, you know, it was interesting, Jamar, when you, when you talked – you know, especially about the juvenile crime. One, th one of the conversations that I try to have with a lot of legislators is, you know, something happens and we want to make a reaction to it, right? Mm -hmm. We want to fix something. Mm -hmm. But what we don't talk about and what police officers face every day when they're doing the job is what are the root causes to some of these issues? Yeah. You know, cops are expected to fix, you know, situations in minutes that may have lasted for decades. And, you know, it's, there are situations that government hasn't been able to fix, you know, whether it's mental health, domestic abuse, um, uh, drug abuse, and, you know, you name it. And so, you know, the things that are put on cops these days is sometimes uh, just oh, you, you can't fix it. But, you know, at the legislature, that's what I really try to push is it's harder to solve these root causes you know, when you talk about juvenile crime, I was a police officer in Brooklyn Center for 15 years. Okay. I was a patrol officer. I left in 2015 at the rank of commander. So I uh, did various, you know, jobs throughout the department. And back in 2008, if you remember, local government aid was cut to a lot of cities. And Brooklyn Center was a city that depended on local government aid to, mm. to function. And, you know, some of the things that are first cut when cities are facing a budget crisis is juvenile programs. You know, when I was a kid, I remember I could go down to, you know, the local park and there'd be a high school student that ran, you know, the warming house where you could go play games, play basketball. And so those are some of the programs that are first cut. 
And we experienced right. that in Brooklyn Center. Yep. And, 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 you know, until we start talking about that dialogue of, of why are these kids all of a sudden, you know, committing these carjackings at age 13, 14, you know, what are we doing? You know, you, you, you can't fix sometimes a broken family, but you can give kids an opportunity to have positive interactions that hopefully keep them on the straight and narrow. And it just seems like we've gotten away from that. Um, and so, you know, I, I, a lot of times just like to talk about what are the root causes? Why are we here? No, absolutely. No, you're saying a lot of things that uh, I think a lot of elected leaders and I talk about too as well. You're right. You do got to get down to the root crawl, uh, cause of what's going on. And sometimes, it, no, not sometimes, no doubt uh, it's, it's, it's generational trauma. You know, it's it it can be financial. You know, um, hardship that one is is experiencing. Um, but I do believe sometimes police can be scapegoated, right? Because of the elected leaders, it's easier to stick the dagger in the police departments while they're already being stoned instead of taking some responsibility. Saying, I, I, "Okay, I think we effed up here." I.e., again, a mere lock. Have we heard much responsibility being had from the mayor, from the police chief? No. I think a lot of times what pisses, uh, uh, especially black and brown folks off, is immediately a police chief already uh, uh, automatically comes to bat for her or his or her police officers. Well, it was a justified shooting. She as well, uh, interim Huffman, automatically says, well, if you look in the video, it looks like he, he raised his gun and then he aimed it at them. Well, I'm glad you're here. Because using their freeze frame of the other officer, not the one that uh, shot the guy, but looking at the, using their freeze frame, I'd never seen his finger on the trigger. He was his finger was on the gun, just like I was trained, and me, AK and I were talking about it last week. The way you're trained, and his, not to mention he had a cover over his head, so he could not have posed too much of a threat. Um, you said officers that that their your association deals with those things. Um, right now, I mean, you've had two back to well, three back to back police involved shootings. Um, do you guys just automatically, the association automatically justify the behavior of those officers right after those shootings? No, I think I think you have to wait till all the facts come out. I mean, nowadays it's almost like who's the first to speak, you know? And we want to get our side out there, and I don't think that does anything. It doesn't create the trust that we always talk about in policing, you know, earning the public's trust. And I, I understand completely the need for transparency. And I took this job in 2019 to help advance this profession. You know, 10 months later, who would have thought we'd be dealing with some of the issues that we're dealing with? Um, but I took this job because I did want to make a difference. And I think that we can. And we talk about the public trust. But sometimes, you know, as we're seeing in this situation, you have a chief that comes out with information you got a mayor that comes out with information. It doesn't jibe together, mm-hmm. and it just it, it it creates the opposite, mm-hmm. right? It's like okay, well, who's, who's running chaos. the show here? It's certain chaos, you know. It, I mean, who who do we trust? And that's that's frustrating. And um, you know, the solution to it, I don't know, because you know we have one side that wants the video, wants all of that right away, and you got to understand this is an investigation. Yes. And you have to give it a little time. Sure. And I know that there's uh, people out there that say, well, we can't trust the investigation because of, you know, past bad investigations or whatever. It is what it is. And everybody deserves, in, in my opinion, due process. And everybody deserves fairness. 
And um, these are these are hard situations. When people die, nobody wins, right? Right. There isn't there isn't a winning side here. There's a family that is obviously grieving. You know, then you have communities. What we saw in Dante Wright, you have you know people wanting to burn down a police department, people protesting, people getting hurt. Nobody wins in these situations, and they're so fueled by emotion right now. I understand that, but how do we get back to that trust? Um, and that's transparency. Why, that's that's I, why I took this job. Transparency, and I think that there's not enough coming out of police departments. Police departments want to lie and cover their asses, and I think that that's too much. I think instead of stepping up, saying, "You know what? We might have screwed this one up here. Let's do." I would have liked to hear from either one of them. Just say, "Look, we're going to do a thorough investigation here." You know, I'm don't come out saying first that the officer was right. We're going to do a thorough investigation. This all, I'm the chief, and I'm here to do make sure that we do. I oversee a thorough investigation. I would have never come out saying, oh, I think he, the officer was, uh, was in danger. Because as, as a black man has had my ass whooped by the police officers, that stopped resisting. I, I'm in, I felt in fear for my life. It's always used by every single officer that kills someone. So that's like the boy calling wolf all the time, right? Isn't it time that we freaking do away with no-knock warrants? I don't know the stats yet. But I guarantee you I, there's a high stat of officers being hurt, civilians being hurt. And I want to know the, apprehend, the number on the apprehension of, uh, of uh, criminals from no-knock warrants. Do you know any of that? So let me, um, let me just, if I can, go back to Please. something that you said. Sure. And then I'll, I'll kind of go back to the, the no-knock warrant issue. So you, you made the statement about um, the finger off the trigger yeah. in, in the Amir case, right? Yeah. Like every good gun owner, you're taught finger off the trigger, right? Can you describe that gun to me? Well, because it, it was in black and white, but it looked like it was brown. It looked like it was a nine millimeter or a twenty-two. Okay, yeah. So when we talk, and it about, wasn't cocked, because you could tell if it wasn't if it was cocked, it wasn't cocked. So when we talk about getting out there with information, right? And it's not until you start peeling back the investigation and, and looking at some of the things. I'm going to show you a picture. Okay. Okay, so these are the two side-by-side -side pictures that Minneapolis police released. Absolutely. Can I see okay. your phone yep. a little bit? Yeah. Yep. What do you notice about that gun? I, I got the color correct. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What am I supposed to notice? So right above the trigger, what do you Safety? See? That's the safety. Yeah. Oh, you think he was clicking the safety off? Where's his finger? Well, but, but guess what? But you, you come in at six o'clock in the morning. You start. You kick my couch, and his parents say he sleeps hard. What this guy here is a he, right now. If you tap him, he, you'll feel his gun, <laughs> right? And right or wrong, right? Yeah, all right. And he it's doesn't. Every, he doesn't pull his. Every day, all the time. He, and I tell him all the time, you know, like a silly twelve-year-old, pull your gun out, he, and he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. But my my point is is I'm not trying to prove a point. Right. Okay. 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 What I'm what I'm what I'm saying is, you know, the information gets out there. Um, and we don't peel back the onion, so to speak, and wait for some of the facts to come out. Is he is he taking this, the the safety off to fire? I would too. You know what? We, we'll never know, right? right. Isn't that what we, you said you do? We, we can't so ask. How did you tell me you? you and, and honestly, I've never seen a gun with the safety above the trigger before. I, yeah, I mean, it's usually on the opposite so, side. Yeah. So there's there's something that I heard you say, and that I kind of want to flesh out a little bit more. So I think it is 100 percent important. That there is this rush to who can be the first person to say something right or something wrong happened. 
I tend to be the person that says, let me see the information. Now, in in the case with Amir, right, because he, based off the information that was released, that he was not named on that warrant, and, and so far the information hasn't proven otherwise, my big issue when I first heard about about the shooting itself was, okay, this was someone that was not named, right? And so going back to the no-knock, here's the question I want to ask you. Myself, I've become more libertarian, and uh, as I've become more libertarian, I see that the no-knock, when it fails and someone is startled, that things can happen. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, do you think that this tool, you know, let's talk about why it's used. And second, do you think that maybe it's time to reconsider using the no-knock warrant? And how then, I guess another part would be, how would that affect law enforcement in, in your professional experience? So quick answer, yes. Now, I was on the SWAT team for 10 years. We did no-knock warrants. You know, there's different tactics that you can use. And my organization was actually a part of the last legislative session making some reforms on no-knock warrants. Okay. That was something that the chiefs, the sheriffs, the activist groups, we all got together and we made some change with no-knock warrants. Obviously, this situation now put it, you know, in the headlights again. And when we looked at around the state, how many agencies actually use no-knock warrants, it was actually very low. Very Hennepin low. County, Minneapolis obviously had had the highest. So I guess now that begs the question, well, why does the majority of the straight state not use them? And why is Minneapolis and Hennepin County have higher? You know, you got to dig into that. You got to try to understand why. Um, you know, tactics, you know, there's some people, you know, when we did no-knock warrants, a lot of times we'd breach and hold. You know, we'd uh, make entry and then hold and call people out. So, I, uh, so when you say that, that's another aspect that I've heard as well is that the breach and hold seems to be more – because, you know, some departments probably have policy that says, okay, when you breach, you might hold for yep. 15 minutes or whatever, right, to give almost it's like you're giving people the benefit of doubt. So here's, here's one of the things that I wanted to ask you is that the argument that I've heard is that if you take this tool off of the table, that it will put law enforcement in greater danger because there are some people that if they have advance notice, they will, you know, basically barricade themselves in and, and they're basically like, take me alive. You know, I mean – I'm either going to die or you're going to have to kill me, right? Um, and that's basically what it's going to be. So I'm just curious about your position on that, um, of, of using taking that tool off the table. I, th well, I think there's situations that do deem necessary a no-knock warrant. Mm. You know, you could think about a, a kidnapping case Absolutely. Uh, or cases like that. Getting rid of them, no, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there are cases. Now, when we look so at... I. Some of the cases that no-knock warrants are done with, drug cases, you know, big, big, you know, let's, let's say cartel type cases. Well, normally uh, with drugs comes, you know, guns. And so that was one of the arguments that uh, was made when we did some reform in the legislature last year about, you know, uh, saving them for those kind of larger drug scale operations. Because some of the uh, legislators that are, you know, were from Minneapolis said, "Hey, no knocks are t are targeting minority communities and for they low do. for low level drug cases." Yes. Um, yeah. Sh should they be used for low level drug cases? Probably not. But there are situations that I think uh, for both the people uh, in the search warrant safety as well as officers. Um, so you know, we're we're currently debating that. 
uh, right now at uh, at the Capitol. Obviously, there's there's two different opinions on what should be done. But getting rid of them, no, because I, I do believe that there are situations that you do need them. No, I don't believe we get rid of them. I think you're right. I think there should be mitigating circumstances that warrant no-knock warrants, right? And I think hostage situations or uh, huge drug cartel-ish type. But when you talk about uh, someone selling meth and they've got a couple pounds of meth or a couple pounds of weed pounds? Like that. that's a lot dude well, but, but, guess, but, but no <laughs> but guess what way, bro. but being from the streets you know that no that's not a lot we're not talking about uh the gestapo what's the guy that they uh oh now sound like Wapo or no. uh, el chapo yeah el chapo Guzman. we're not talking about guys like that we're talking about some guy that's making i don't know a couple hundred thousand dollars a a, a month or a year around it again somewhat low level and it is targeted towards black and folks. What, you brought up the stat that I thought about and had heard uh, about a week ago after this happened, how Minneapolis and Hennepin County does hold, have the highest rate of no-knock warrants. It does make you think about why. And then guess what? Who you heavily populated with, if you look at the, when they looked at when um, uh, uh, a community leader put it on her uh, uh, Facebook page, the warrants were looked like they were targeted towards minority Folks, right? And again, there had been uh, some deaths that had come out of them. So they're going to do away with them, but I think that we need to make sure that we're um, that they're used rightfully. So, but I think that again, there are m- more. This, there are other evidence that may come out about Amir's case. But again, if if I'm a legal gun owner and you startle me. We'll just use that word. You startled me. You come in my house. You kick my couch. You startled me. And I, I don't know if you I watched. It, the show. Yeah. I don't know if you watched the show last week, but I gave the synopsis of how they did the same thing to me. At four in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, they I heard them coming down my long hallway. I thought I was dreaming when I looked up and seen these dudes in riot gear coming in my house. I knew I was dreaming. Like what the hell? <laughs> Went back to sleep. Um, and when I see them peering over me, they knocked me out, hit me with the gun. I, so I couldn't tell you who did what and all that. And thank God for um, Attorney General Keith Ellison because he got them off my ass, by the way. Um, <laughs> but it does happen, right? And, and, and so that, to me, was, I think was a, uh, it was an illegal no-knock warrant slash raid because they, didn't ha- they only had a raid for downstairs. Isn't there some responsibility that has to be had by your association, the unions, about officers that um, – indulge in inappropriate behavior that cause in death. Yes. I mean, in, in any profession, uh, you're going to have bad apples, you know, and, and law enforcement isn't immune to that. And, um, you know, we need to do better. Are there bad? Are, oh, great. Did you say that? I'm glad you said this. I like you. I like you to give real answers. <laughs> do you believe that there racism that exists? You worked in Brooklyn Park. I lived out Brooklyn there. Center. Center. I, and I live actually right now. I live. We share a uh, uh, zip code. I've always been scared to drive through Brooklyn Park, Brooklyn Signal, because those police officers, you guys got had nothing better to do. It was only like 10 of you guys on the force. They're smaller forces, though, right? And uh, we had nothing better to do but get pulled over for some reason. Um, is there racism that exists in those police departments? What do you mean by that? Have you ever experienced uh, some white bozo targeting uh, a, 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 a specific stop because this guy was guy or gal were black or a minority. You've no. never experienced. You've never encountered that. No. Have you heard of it? Well, of course I've heard of it. So you, I mean, officers in your same police department. When I was a cop at Brooklyn Center. Yes. No. We. No. 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 
Don't be all Pollyanna now. Come on. So here, here's one of the things that I want to ask. So um, let, let, let me give you yeah. an example. Please. Two in the morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Driving down Brooklyn Boulevard. That's your answer at your own risk. <laughs> do I necessarily know the race of someone behind that wheel? Sure you do. At two in the morning? Dark? Well, I can't. Yeah, I can't. What, do they have tinted windows? Here's how I, here's how I view traffic stops, right? Um, somebody's speeding. Right. right? Y- you pull them over. Yeah. This is an opportunity to create a positive interaction. Should be. You know, a lot of people right away would get defensive. Why are you stopping me? You know, hey, you know, just can I see your license, insurance? I'll explain it to you. But I always put it back on somebody else. Give me give an example. There's this uh, four-way stop sign okay. that people would blow all the time. Right. And my partners would make fun of me like, you know, did somebody kill your dog, you know, running a stop sign? Because you're always at, at this, you know, corner. And uh, it was a residential area where a lot of kids play. And so I would target you know, that four-way stop, and I'd stop people, and I'd just throw it back on them. Like, listen, do you have kids? If they said yes, I'd go down the path of, you know, how would you feel if this was your neighborhood and someone had blew that stop sign and your kids were playing outside? It wasn't about giving someone a ticket. It was about having that positive interaction to make them think um, that if this was your neighborhood and your kids were out, how would you feel if somebody was doing 50 down down your road? Well, did you make a concerted effort, though, to uh, have those positive interactions with black and minority Absolutely. folks on purpose, right? Absolutely. Oh, and, and that's what we need. Did you ever encourage your fellow white counterparts to do the same thing? Yes. Okay. Even as, you know, and I, I climbed through the ranks as a sergeant, uh, a commander where, you know, I ran the patrol division or I ran the investigative division. You know, policing to me was about having heart. Mm. And 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 doing what is best, whether it is for that victim that now you're you know in charge of the investigators investigating a case. It was just about compassion. And, you know, I as a former cop myself, I saw more of the compassion than maybe what the general public talks about cops in general. <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody puts on that uniform. And says, I can't wait to go out and shoot somebody tonight. Well, I don't know. It depends <laughs> on what state you live in. Um, to you, um, was what happened to George Floyd, was that murder? Uh, yes. Really? Here's, here's, you know, here's my personal opinion. Okay. Um, when, I, President, I like this guy. <laughs> when, when, when somebody's in your custody, you're in charge of them, right? Right. George Floyd, George Floyd was in custody. Yep. Okay. Um. And I've had situations similar to that. When you have someone that is talking one minute mm-hmm. and then not the next, okay. Was it you're doing, though? As, as a police officer, uh, because that person is in your custody, you're obligated now to make sure that uh, you perform whatever medical issue they're dealing with. And to have someone that goes from talking to not talking for over two minutes yeah, you're 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 obligated. They're in your control. Have you used that that that? Uh, well, well, I won't call it a hold, but I guess it's a, they were called that restraint maneuver. Have you ever used that type of maneuver? Doesn't matter the person, the color of the person, but have you ever used that? I never put restraint? my knee. Uh, you know, we were taught sometimes in the in the the middle of your back when you're controlling someone, if like in the small of their back yep. or something. Well, yep. You know, the, between the shoulder blades, though. Uh, I was never taught that. Uh, I never did that. You know, back um, when I was a cop, we also. Uh, used, um, gosh, the hobble. Yeah. And, you know, we were trained at that point, you know, never to hop. Uh, I think they called it uh, cattle tying or, or or something. You know, we were taught not to do that. Um, but, you know, force is never pretty. 
right? Yeah. It's ugly. And when you have someone that you don't know what's going on, sometimes you have to use force that doesn't look good. Um, but it's also keeping the officers safe and, and you know, the suspect. You know, I, I've dealt with people that uh, were either high uh, and needed medical services, but you do have to get them under control before that can happen. But you do have to provide that medical attention. So I, I want to go back to something that you said a little bit earlier. So when, when we talk about no-knock raids and warrants, here, here's, I guess, the position that I have, and I want to ask your opinion. When you say that your answer is no, that you don't think it would be wise or prudent to get rid of that, my question is, at what point would you say that you have an obligation to have an officer put their life on the line? Because here's, here's the way that I perceive there might be two aspects when it comes to the no-knock. One, that you can get rid of evidence, right? Flush stuff, whatever it might you be. You know, at the end of the day, if a little bit of drugs get flushed down the toilet. So that's not a reason necessarily to use that. It's more or less. So you sound so, like so then, me. So then here's, here's a second question then. So if, if the aspect is you want the element to surprise because you want to make sure that the, the, the person that's named on the warrant doesn't try and kill the other officers or harm people around, right? Because bullets tend to go through things. They don't, you know, always hit on target. Yeah. At what point do you say, by giving someone a heads up, you are potentially giving someone an opportunity to surrender themselves versus if you don't give them the heads up that you're putting them? So I, I guess the question is, in cases where it fails and someone does get surprised and it leads to discharge of weapons and people lose their life, to you is that a reason in which you would say this would need to stop being used? Or for you is just that's kind of – the risk of the game that sometimes people will lose their life, but you can try and mitigate the times in which you use it. Like this might be an extreme situation where you use it, but there is, there's a, there's a 50, 50 chance or whatever. There's maybe it's not 50, 50. It's probably really, really bad. You never want to use anything. It's 50, 50, but 10% chance that someone could lose their life, but you feel that it's necessary that even in that 10% case, if an innocent person dies, that it was still worth using it to protect life. I don't think an innocent person dying um, necessarily is worth the risk. Yeah. But in any situations like um, a high-risk warrant, there's always the risk for something bad to happen, right? Absolutely. Everybody's human. Um, you know, people perce perceive, and we're talking split-second decisions that need to be made. You you hope that the training, you know, the tactics are all in line, but still bad things can happen. And I I don't know the answer to how do you fix that, without getting rid of it. But as you guys have talked about on your show uh, for several episodes, our society is violent right now. It is now. And, it is. And, you know, there's, you know, going back to what we talked about of, of the harder question is how do you fix some of these root causes, right? Mm -hmm. How do you go back and really fix it? And those aren't the easy, quick answers. And Correct. politicians, that's a lot harder for them to deal with. But we 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 tend to go to the real quick one, right? Or which sound, what which you know what what answer sounds good? You know, when I look at the crime that we've seen over the last year, working in Brooklyn Center, we we worked with the North Minneapolis police all the time, and you know, carjackings and things like that happened all the time. Why did we start talking about it when it slid over into Edina, mm -hmm. right? My other big um, thing that I struggle with is education, right? I think we ca can all agree 
the less educated you are, the less chances of success in maybe in life, right? I would agree, absolutely. So, you know, right now we're talking about, you know, uh, teachers striking in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Mm -hmm. And the teachers union comes out and says, you know, um, we need this and we're so far behind here. But yet we throw billions of dollars at education. Why should it matter where you live? Why should it matter uh, that you live in Minneapolis, uh, that you get a, a worse education, but if you go out to the suburbs, you get a better education. Why is that? And I, and I do think that that is a systematic problem mm-hmm. that isn't easy to fix. We want to throw money. But when you look at, from my perspective as a, as a former police officer, I dealt with a lot of people that at some point stopped going to school, dropped out, uh, chose, you know, um, Hey, I need to make ends meet, so I committed that robbery for 20 bucks. I remember arresting a subject, and I'm like, you just put your entire freedom on the line for $20. Why? Because I need it. I don't know how else to get money. You let him go? You don't want to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if, if <laughs> yeah, he, he beat the person up pretty good. Oh, okay. But, you know, to me that was like, an awakening, like someone's willing to put $20 on the line for their freedom. But the need to them was, I need that. It was great. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, we started talking. It's like, yeah, I stopped going to school in eighth grade, you know. Um, and so, so again, uh, try not to get off topic. But no, no, no. We got, we got these systematic problems that, you know, you look at Minneapolis that, uh, you know, you have the politicians and everyone else. Got a horrible... Uh, uh, superintendent. He sucks. Okay, you know, like Minneapolis superintendent. He sucks. He doesn't. He, he's not transparent. He's not dealing with parents correctly. We need to get rid of his ass. Um, he got the guy came over from Alaska. He got ran from Alaska, Anchorage, and he came here. He didn't even have a uh, superintendent's license. Okay, so how do you get hired to be superintendent when you don't have a superintendent license? I don't know, but he sucks. How um, much does he make a year? Oh, oh well over a hundred. Hundred plus thousand dollars oh, a year. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one fifty something like that. He makes a ton of money. Couldn't now? Wouldn't you? Can you imagine that if he was paid on performance? Yeah. Exactly. Well, what he would? What he would make? What? How, right? how he would? Nothing. And then, <laughs> right? This loser. But then, like you say, though, if it was incentive based, how he would try to crank out better. Um, uh, uh, qualified people. I remember when uh, Trent Turker was AD, athletic director, uh, state athletic director. The one thing he prided himself on is his graduation rate for uh, athletes. Mm. He had a 98 or 90-something plus rate of graduating athletes. From, that's, that's crazy. In Minneapolis, of no, all, any good. school, right, in, in all colors. That's incredible. But they got rid of the guy, right? So we, we do throw good money at the bat. It's like throwing the baby, throw her out with the bathwater. Um, yeah, because we're so reactive to what happens because everyone is so used to being um, – uh, uh, just it stuck in their position, especially as a as a, as a as a uh, politician. I don't have to do anything but sit down and rest on my laurels for the next two years or four years. Why? Because we quit holding their feet to the fire, or or we treat Minneapolis differently. Now, I always treat Minneapolis differently. Let, let me also give you another I don't know if good another example of we had seven kids shot in Minneapolis. I believe it was three that died. If that would have happened two. in the suburbs, uh, three shot, two died. If that would have happened in the suburbs, would it be a different response? Absolutely. Damn, yeah, Luke. No, so then I ask, what's the problem here? 
What's the problem? You know, is it is and is it politicians? Is it yes. just you know what we confine everything to Minneapolis and we don't look. You know, if it happens in Minneapolis, I guess we're okay with it, right? right? It's like, oh, that's just Minneapolis. Yeah, and that's wrong. Yeah, right. And and where are we seeing, you know, the most no knock warrants? Where are we seeing uh, the most incidents involving police and community? Here. Yeah, in the city. So you know, one one of the, one of the things that I wanted to kind of throw out there is that when when we talk about using different tactics, right? I think sometimes people forget you don't have you know uh, a a department. Or an office that has a bunch of you know officers that are coming up with a game plan and saying, yeah, you know, as they're walking up, saying, let's kind of do this, right? It comes from leadership, right? Like when when you're a commander and you're saying, here's what you know, here's what we're gonna execute today, right? Like we have this warrant, we have this, you know, there's these people of interest. It does come down to leadership and how these tactics get used, and and I will 100% agree that in a lot of these cases. I think there's been poor leadership. So can you talk to leadership in general when it comes to law enforcement of lack of good leadership and how that can truly impact what a department looks like or what an office looks like, whether that's Minneapolis police or whether that's Hennepin County Sheriff? He's right. And 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 that's not to sound like a dumb question, but he's right. I want to hone in on that, too. Is it a leadership, lack of leadership uh, problem? Oh, you're you're singing my tune now because leadership is extremely important to me. I think leadership matters completely, and you know, Arredondo, um, you know, I, I know him. Um, I think police he's, chief, police chief, I'm sheriff. Damn, see, thank you, bro. That's great, why you're my co-host. Great guy, but people thought that he was going to be able to change a culture because yeah. of the color of his skin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And from a leadership standpoint, if I take a step back, and it's nothing against the chief. Um, he grew up within that culture, that yeah. organization. Yeah. So how much how much can he see between, you know, change and you know transformation? Mm. Because I think there's a big difference. There is. I never heard it put like that. Thank you. For for me, when I was a leader at Brooklyn Center, um, I think empowerment is a very powerful tool. You know, when you become a, an admin, you may sit in an office now. And you're dictating what's happening on the streets, even though you may have not been on the streets for, you know, a decade. And I always uh, found value in empowering the people that are out doing that job every day. So when we had a problem, it wasn't, here's how we're going to fix it. Here, Brian Peters, you know, this is, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. It was, no, how do you feel we should solve this problem? And empower, you know, the people that are on the streets, support them to try to make that effective change. And uh, I saw a lot of value in that because, you know, after a while, I lost touch with what it was like to to be on the streets. So empower the people that are actually out there. You should run for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. Um, I, 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 I have you enough like your job? That's not your thing. You I like have, your job? No. Well, you know, from a leadership standpoint, uh, my job that I do now has been the biggest challenge from a leadership standpoint in my entire life. Well, how is it important? I mean, we think of, I honestly be keep it real. I had never heard of it until AK told me about you a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, I, I only thought it was just a police union and that's it. Right. I probably heard about it, but you know, kind of out of sight of the mind. So how important 
um, is your association. And again, is it an association that's only going to stick up for officers even when they're wrong? Say it again. So how important is your organization? I mean, obviously it's important to so – you're right. Let me ask the question better. It's obviously important to officers or those that contribute to your organization, but how important is your organization to the community? What does it matter? Um, is there a relationship? Because, again, I've never heard it. I don't know how many of my community members have had of two. So uh, is there a relationship that you are a part of trying to help grow, nurture? What? Because I, I, I don't see any of you guys. I mean, we don't see too many white folks in the hood. <laughs> well, um, you know, we, we help drive policy change. At, at but isn't that policy that's for officers that that's pro officer not pro community pro city isn't those policies that are truthfully pro officers though it really has for the last 22 months yeah since george floyd i mean um you know i started this job i was a part of uh the attorney general and commissioner harrington's uh um, working group on officer involved shootings right this is pre-george floyd pre-everything and the whole goal was how do we reduce deadly force encounters right mm. and we got you know education police uh community groups politicians and we we met for nine months went around the entire state took testimony you know heard hard testimony and you know what i learned from brooklyn center you have to know the people that you serve right mm. you know brooklyn center uh for for example in the 50s and 60s was pretty much a a white no. uh uh-uh. blue collar uh, community, yeah, right? Yeah. And, you know, when I left in 2015, it was 52% diverse. And we had a lot of our diversity from East Africa, right? Yeah. And, you know, if you don't understand the people that Which you serve, customs, norms, you know. Uh, plucks you, my damn nerves. Give okay. you a quick example. So I led our, our community um, uh, outreach for, for three years as a commander. Okay. And we started working with the community. And uh, we had one guy that said um, – you know, when I drive to work every day, uh, sometimes there's an officer out there and they're pointing their gun at me as I drive down the road. And, you know, you dig further into it and, uh, you know, the road that uh, he would drive on, we targeted a lot for speeding. So, you know, the gun that he thought was pointing <laughs> was actually the radar gun. Oh, he thought it was a literal right? gun. And But then we also had another yeah, issue okay. I, I like. <laughs> with when we, when we stopped people, they'd get out of the car. And start walking towards you. Well, yeah. you know, what do cops do now? They yeah. freak out. You know, get back in your car. What are you doing? Well, you know, uh, back in their country, it was a sign of respect that when you got stopped by the police, you, you got out of your them. car and went to the back of your car and waited for the officer to approach. Ah. So, so it was just this disconnect that, hey, let's learn about one another's. And so those same groups, you know, we took to uh, what was called the skills uh, site where police officers are trained. Um, uh, and so we, we had them go through the, you know, training. And so that was, you know, That's that cool. was something that was That's exciting cool. and fun and isn't done enough. You're right. right. Um, cause that builds community trust. It builds community partnership and, uh, you know, that's what the majority of cops want to do. No, I absolutely right. I think that that's what we need chiefs, uh, around the state, especially in the bigger cities, St. Paul, Minneapolis. Brooklyn Park, Brooklyn Center, shouldn't be encouraging. Especially, you know, Brooklyn Park. I mean, I know that they're black officers, but they're not, you know. How many, when you left, how many were on the force? 30, 10? Uh, we had an authorized strength of 48. 48. Is that, so let me ask the question then properly. Is that all, what's the word, uh, uh, 
beat officers or how do you, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, 26 out of the 48 okay. were uh, like patrol. Patrol. Yep. There you go. Uh, yep. So 26 were patrol officers, right? Yep. Okay. So at, 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 uh, so how many of those were black? Do you remember? I think it was, uh, we had 13 combined women and um, what, you know, minority officers. Yeah. Okay. So. Right, low, and, low. And, and we need and we need women too as well. It doesn't matter if they're white or but women as well too. So it was pretty low. You said about thirteen percent. Yep, thirteen percent. Um, if you were chief, would you have again made a concerted effort to make that bigger? Absolutely. You believe it? See, I like that. Why aren't you running for sheriff or chief or something? <laughs> no. Do, do you go around when you talk? Cause I hope because I hope you are talking to sheriffs and chiefs and chiefs anyway in police departments. Do you <laughs> express that to them that listen? Look, you've got about. 50, 60 white guys here. We're just trying to hire some women and some black dudes. <laughs> I mean, do you express, or do you, I mean, I'm, I mean, you put it the way you do, but do you express the fact that it's important, a community relationship is important? Yeah. Yeah. So let's look at uh, right now what's happening at the legislature, right? It's all about recruiting, retention. You know, Minneapolis is down 300. St. Paul's down 100. You know, the suburbs are facing the same thing, that now there's this push for um, recruiting and retention, Right. And it's easy, just like we talked about with education. Let's let's just throw money at it. But when you when you start again looking at what our makeup of our departments should be, it needs to reflect the community it serves. In some of my conversations with legislators, it's like, okay, let's take away the barriers that may prevent someone who may want to get into this profession that can't. And I think a, a huge barrier is money. Uh, that two-year college that you know Minnesota requires, yeah, right? Yeah, associate's degree. Um, yeah. You know, we had a program in Brooklyn Center. We had a, a it was called the Joint Community uh, Police Partnership. It was a partnership with Hennepin County where we actually got to recruit uh, people within our community and who may have no law enforcement experience, but maybe were interested. Hmm. And uh, we had, I think, my whole time, seven uh, different cadets come through, and it was picking people from the community and saying. Are you interested in this profession? Yep. Okay, great. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay for your school for two years. While you're going to school, um, we're going to have you work 20, 26 hours at the police department. Uh, so you're going to earn is that, money. Is that like anything or like a CSO? Or? CSO kind of okay. parking. Um, you know, they did a lot of just different administrative. Hmm. So it was a win-win because they got to work at the department for two years. We paid for their school. Um, we supported them going through school because let's face it, going back to the education, uh, there may be people that uh, math isn't their thing, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. We got some other people that are going to help you with that. The whole goal was to support whatever they needed to go through the school, get the license. Uh, they've worked at the department. And what what the requirement at the end was, you at least give the police, the police department a year, mm. right? And if you decide you want to Go work at Minneapolis or St. Paul, you can. But it was a great program. Yeah, Those are that's no, what that I is. talk about with legislators. That is, is. I, Chief Arredondo had a program like that, yep. and and that's those programs should be. Um, uh, enacted and when well, I enacted is not the right word, but they should be used in in other police departments, especially the big ones, because it is a it, it is a. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't find too many black uh, minorities that want to be officers. Uh, and my son knows how involved I am with police chief uh, and other officers that I know and worked with and organizations I've been a part of. And I tell my son, like, son, I got the ends. You know, I can get you in. He's like, no, I don't want to be a cop. I'm like, 
son, be the change that you want to see. If you want, if you're tired of you and your buddies getting your ass whooped by police officers, well, go be those officers. And the one thing that uh, Chief was doing too is the uh, the department. Excuse me, the side of the city that you wanted to work on, that you really wanted to work on. He was trying to make it his best to put you in that side. So I just want to tell my son, like, okay, here's your chance. You go do the the cadet. You graduate and you want to work at the north side. There you go. You know, you help patrol and change your neighborhood, you know, so but we don't see that. So you ask yourself, why isn't everybody doing that? You know why? Because it's leadership and it's hard. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we all want these easy fixes sometimes. And, uh, you know, at the legislature, it's easy to just say, let's throw money at it. Right. Let's throw $100 million for recruiting and retention. But when you get down to it, um, money isn't always the answer. Yeah. It's those leaders that say, you know what, uh, even though this is going to take more of my time, it's going to be more work. Hopefully the end result is going to be great because at the end of the day, we do have people that are in this profession that do resemble our community. You know, when you talk about leadership, now people know that I'm I'm impartial a little bit. We try and have as many candidates that are running for office, especially those that are, are running, um, that are affecting communities of color. And Jai Hansen is a dude that I think is legit. I 100% support his run for sheriff and the conversations that he had when he was on the show are about leadership and, and he has these different aspects. So I think it's important for people to understand that not all officers are created equal, right? I mean, that's just the reality that I think it's a noble profession. I think that getting involved in law enforcement um, is something that people have to be built for in the same way that being involved in the military requires a certain level of of duty and responsibility and sacrifice for others those are duty bound you know firefighters things like that where you're putting yourself in harm's way on a regular and frequent basis so for me i think that leadership matters and so i i think you know what what do you have to say in regards to finding good leaders or, or trying to seek out good leaders and how important in the process that is can i tell you a quick story about jay yeah yeah so I met Jai, boy, probably 15, maybe 10 years ago. Um, back in like 20, 2010, 2012, uh, you know, I was a commander. Uh, what's your next move after commander? It's chief of police, right? Okay. And so I just started testing the waters. I was, you know, at the time, I'm going to age myself now. I was like 42. Uh, <laughs> still young to be, you know, a chief. But I thought, what the heck, I'll, I'll, I'll start understanding the process. So my first application was for the city of Lakeville, oh. right? And uh, got notified that there's 28 candidates. Damn. And there was like six different steps uh, in that process. And I took it upon myself to do a ride-along. And uh, I got partnered uh, with Jai and drove around with him in Lakeville uh, for about four hours. And, uh, you know, hit it off. I just told him, this is my vision. You know, I talked about leadership. I talked about, you know, empowering, uh, not just, you know, doing the status quo. And uh, unbeknownst to me at the time that I did the ride along, he was in the process for uh, the Bloomington uh, job that he, he, you know, now is a police officer in Bloomington. And uh, so I ended up finishing number two in, oh. in the process. Wow. And, you know, it was, it was a humbling, like, wow, you know, it's, I'm, I'm humbled. And uh, I remember getting a call from Jai. And uh, he said, you know, Brian, uh, I didn't tell you when I was doing a ride along with you, but uh, if you would have gotten the job, I would have stayed. Hmm. And I thought, that's wow. one, uh, you know, huge, you know, I very humbling to hear yeah. that. But, you know, you know, in a matter of four hours, apparently I, 
you know, impressed him enough with leadership. The thing about leadership is I can tell you what you want to hear all day long. It's about action. It's about action. And you know what? When we look at what's happening in Hennepin County, whether you want to talk about the city council, police department, you name it, it's always about leadership. And it's about someone who's willing to not uh, maintain the status quo. And, um, you know, I think there's some good candidates, but I think there's a lot of candidates that tell you what you want to hear. And at the end of the day, it's about uh, action. No, no doubt about it. You know, man, an hour. I'm telling you, I told you when you sat down, an hour goes quick as it, <laughs> it goes so quick because there's so many things we want to talk about. So we'll have to definitely have you back. Man. Yeah, you I will mean, come back, right? Yeah, so yes. you come I, back. I survived yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, listen, I'm not a bad guy. I don't bite too hard. You know, I don't bite too hard. Uh, <laughs> Here, here's the thing. I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, we've got serious problems to solve, right? And it starts with being honest. It's about having a conversation. But at the end of the day, it's about action, right? We can all sit here and talk about it. And at the end of the day, absent of having no action, people are dying. Um, you know, our society is just turning an ugly page. And uh, I don't like it. I know you two, you two don't like it. So what do we do about it? We got to create this momentum. We got to create this dialogue and, and actually get leaders in there that – will help make some of these changes. Yeah, right. Not as long as there's money involved. No, I, you know, organization I work with, we found out the other day that we responded to 61 homicides over the last two years. You know, that doesn't seem like a lot, but that's a lot. 61, and I'm not an officer. No, that's, that's, you know. that's a lot. And you know, I wanted to kind of go through a couple of these comments. I know that we've been kind of throwing some of them oh, up Oh, am there. I getting lit up on? No, 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 no not at all, not at all. <laughs> um, Rachel Williams, thank you for coming back. I, I've been looking to see if you've been watching, uh, so glad to have you back. But Rachel said a couple of things. One, number one, Jamar, when you talk about crime, you seem to have a very conservative view. I can dig it. <laughs> I just have a, a view. It's not conservative. And then also ask if we've ever considered having uh, Sheriff Bob Fletcher on. You know, that's that's something that I've I've kind of thought out. I should I should I try love his ride along. So I'm actually going to. I sh you know what I, I will can reach help out you with to that. Him. Would yeah, you? Yeah, can you? Oh, that'd be dope. That'd My be dope. granddad always says it's not what you know, it's who it's you, you know. know. Uh, another question guy. that this kind of is is going towards Jamar um, and even myself because I mean you hold similar positions on him. You're locked. Would it be different if you saw the body cam footage from the shooter that you would possibly see that the gun was pointed at the officer and possibly didn't see his finger where his finger was? Um, I loathe the whole one view aspect. Here's what I'll say is that again, I'm I'm willing to concede that the information might change, right? But based off of what I saw, again, my issue is that. From the information that I have, I think that this was an unfortunate. Now, me and you talked about this last week. In order for me to support criminal charges against this officer, I would have to see something far more egregious. Oh, he needs to be charged. Okay. I, that's not where I'm at. He needs to be I need to see something far more egregious. It was egregious to kill the young I, man. I put the, I put the back on, on the leadership is where it goes back to me because given bang-bang situation, this is happening. You know what, you know who they were looking for and all that different stuff. So there's that. Um, Patty Shaber said, great civil, respectful discussion. We need more of this type of dialogue where everyone is heard. That's true. We agree. That's the whole point of the show. It's not about dunking on Democrats or – you know, uh, Democrats dunking on Republicans about having conversations, yeah. being real about where we stand on our aspect. Craig Rose so said you should, you should run for sheriff. Well, <laughs> you, you should. And Patty, Craig, you guys, that's you guys like us. You should contribute. Make sure you contribute. Drop five dollars. 
in the Patreon account today. Uh, Brian, I'll tell you what, what I will do is I'll I'll support candidates that I know have that leadership. You know, the other thing I didn't talk about at our organization is we're a PAC organization. Uh-oh. So we give to candidates. We support races. And, um, you know. Uh, you do sponsorship? Uh, we can talk about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we actually did get one question that is that is asking you a pretty serious thing. Yep. So this is going to be an unpopular statement. This is a quote from you. But you know Dante Wright, if he would have just complied, unfortunately, that led to his death. And apparently said this during a WCCO. I did. And so the, the question that they ask is, do you still stand by the statement? Um, and then um, ask if whether or not the Legal Defense Fund helped former officer Kim Potter. So, yes, um, we did cover Kim Potter. You, when um, you say cover her, you, you, your attorney. The defense fund. Your defense fund paid for her attorney. Yep. So we, we, we don't pick. Million five? No, I'm just playing. We don't, we don't get to pick and choose who we defend or who we don't defend. If it was a member in good standing, um, we're obligated. Um, because everybody has yep. a right to a trial. True. Every single American Even when you maliciously is, kill a guy doesn't with, matter. when you pretend like you're holding your um, your son gun. Which um, I so disagree let, with. Let me so there's back. a question. What, what, what was the other question? Let me let me go back to the comments. Yes, yeah. I did say that on WCCO yes. Radio. And what I, what I was trying to point out is, you know, going back to um, how I viewed traffic stops, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right now, you know, society, there is this um, increase in people not wanting to cooperate on a traffic stop. And what my point was trying to be is, um, you know, when you get pulled over by police, it's, you know, it doesn't have to be a bad interaction, right? And, you know, actions have consequences. And and my point was, you know, um, if Dante just would have cooperated and, and answered the questions, things would have be different. And I'm not saying, and, you know, my context, I mean, it went national that I'm blaming Dante Wright for his own death. No, what I was trying to point out is when you get stopped by the police, um, just cooperate. It doesn't mean. But you don't, but Brian, being a white guy that's probably never been stopped, you don't have to. You you don't have to. And and, and for it to end in death, you're saying you don't have to what? You don't have to be not compliant. You don't have to comply? No, no. You do not have to be. You can be in full compliance, okay? And you get a bad officer. Which I've had, you get black or white. But that's hypothetical. That's not hypothetical. In that this is, specific you know, case, in this specific case, in this specific I, case, I, I'm right had, where, where had, you're at. Had she had had she to spoke up louder and told the guy when she said I wouldn't have stopped. Had she to been a leader and told the guy I don't normally stop for things like that. We, then then he would be alive. She said that, and then to me spoke to me of her lack of leadership because again you're training these guys or they were working under you. So she should have spoke up and said. We don't. I don't stop that. But this is Let my problem. Go. This is reductive because if we if we go all the way back, the stop would have never happened if the person was in compliance. So I, I think this is this is the you issue. You had right? a cop that's noticed a black man uh, and his is, white chick in the car, is, right? with, and then he used sure, fine. a smell good. But if if, as an, if as everything was over? in compliance, no one had been that's pulled pretextual. over. So I think it's important to say that two things can be true. Okay, I believe that obviously based off of the way that this trial ended. Right. And what the verdict was that a jury came to that there was a guilty verdict. That is absolute truth and fact on those charges. That still does not mean that if in a different situation, if Mr. Wright would have complied, that there would not have been this. I think it's okay to say that those two things are true. So just because he was, quote, not, compl- not just because you're just you're because you say he wasn't just in, because. No, it, 
again, you intimidate this young man for a pretextual stop that you had no really had no business even stopping this guy for a smell good. So you knew something was there was something nefarious about that stop. And, 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 that, then, and that's a whole other subject you, talking about guys stopping, trying stopping to, people and, no, and we got to get out of here. And because <laughs> a guy is trying to get in the car, you think you you feel you're in such danger. You feel you're in such danger that you needed to pull your gun. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Her stun taser. gun. Her, her taser. She Based was, off of she, her witness testimony. Okay. Yeah, right. Oh, that heifer knew what she was doing. Okay. Again. Listen. And that's not what she got, was convicted of. I, I will tell you, I, I've been stopped by, the, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't the greatest kid growing up. <laughs> so, you know, and I, I got pulled over probably a month ago for speeding. Did you? And, but you know, you're a white my dude. heart drops. But you're a white guy. I mean, I know, come on. But I, you, you know you're going home that night. <laughs> I mean, you, and Do you, you understand that more white people get oh, killed by go. cops here than we, black here people? Here we go pulling that the out The percentage oh, of yeah. blacks is higher I compared know. to the relation. Yeah. But more white people do get pulled over by cops than black people. And I know every Republican pulls that out of their ass. I mean, this is true. Brian. White people where, where in the can country. people? Yeah, right. Where can people find you uh, to if they had any questions for you or want to donate? I don't know why they would, but no, in case they want to donate, <laughs> like what? In case they want to donate we're or actually help a out. private organization, we uh, you know all of our, uh, uh, our we're we're dues uh, driven. Okay, so, yeah. So, but I mean, if we don't want to talk to you, have you come speak or anything? Where can they find you? Boy, yeah, the you got w- no website or anything? Yeah, www.mppoa.com. And you know what? I'm always happy to have the dialogue. I really am. I see that. And, you know, we, we, we have tough things that we, we have to talk about. And, you know, again, I, as I pointed out, if we're not talking about it, how do you expect to solve it? It, doesn't and it goes back to what you both said about leadership. Let's get leadership in these top positions that can actually make change. Absolutely. Black, white, pink, yep. purple, male or female. Let's get some leadership in here that can sit down with their counterparts from different parties and come up with sizable solutions that might um, eradicate some of the situations that we're encountering. Because right now, crime is at an all-time high. I mean, I don't want to hear, I mean, especially gun crime, or you want to be specific, gun crime, it's time to go to work and try to end some of it. It's time to heal. It's time to heal. Absolutely, I tell you, man, I like absolutely. this dude. Yeah, great. No, for great. Real. Honestly, we need more guys like you, Brian. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate Thank your you. honesty. Thanks Thank for you. Like, you know, because, you know, the, your, your job is, you know, you... I don't say defend, but you work with officers. And so to come here and give real answers, bro, I really appreciate that, man. And then when I always think to hear officers say that, uh, or former officer, but when they say that that murder, the murder of George Floyd was just that, that's big. That's that's, that's so, you you always just get so hyped about it. I do, because that's big to me, because it was murder. And so to hear officers say it, (laughs) that's big to me. Uh, we gotta go. We gotta go. Make sure that you guys hit the like button. Make sure you visit our link tree. If you like what it is that we do, you want to hear more of these types of conversations, um, please hit the link tree. Link tree forward slash BRBD. Thank you. Politics, politics next week. Thank you, Thank you Brian. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Go contribute so you can hear us uh, uh, talk more and invite great guests like this on. I'm, I'm with- I want to get Bob Pletcher on that. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be dope. Yeah. And then you're going to help us. And, so. and we actually, we have some candidates coming up. Yes. Um, so we're going to get back into that real wheelhouse. But politics, thank you so politics, much politics. for staying tuned. We ran long, but I love this episode, man. I'm Jamar. I'm A.K. Kamara. Peace out. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>